Well, we are going to do a, uh, a follow-up from last week. We're going through uh, this series uh, called Origin, and we're going through Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And so last week we uh, walked through Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and we're going to we're going to do the part two of that today. And, and, and I want to walk through some common patterns of self-destruction. Come on. If there is one thing we are good at as people, as humans, right? We, we are good at snatching defeat out of victory. Anybody in the room? I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. But we, 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 we have a, a tent outside of the love, the power of God in us. We, we will self-destruct. Right? We will self-destruct. So I want to walk through some common patterns of self-destruction and, uh, and then try to give some kind of response to them as far as how God wants us to live. All right. So we're going to walk through, and I think it's really important uh, one reason I want to do this, I think it's really important to, to name those common self-destruction steps. We've we got to name them, right? We've got we to gotta verbalize them. I think it's important to get them out. We don't keep them secret. What, what, whatever is a secret in your life and in my life will keep us in bondage, right? Secrets keep us in bondage. So we've got to name these things. It's really important we do it. Then we'll give some... Real simple steps as far as how to counter them. Actually, they'll probably be pretty self-evident, to be honest with you. They'll be self-evident. So, and, and, and don't be, today, don't be the person that says, I wish so-and-so was here. They really needed to hear it. <clears throat> See, we're all here because we need to hear it. Come on, help me out. Now, some of you might just need it to pass on to somebody else. That's fine. Right? That, that's possible. That's possible. So just four areas of common patterns of self-destruction. The first one, if you want, as a Christ follower, if you want to veer off the path God has for you, number one, ignore the Word of God. Now, notice the word ignore. It's very important here. This is not ignorance. This is knowing the truth and ignoring it, like pretending it doesn't exist. Am I talking to anybody in the room? I've said this so many times over the years. I can't remember if I've said it here. Some Christians, none of you, maybe some online. I'm always picking on the online field. Why? I'm sorry. I apologize. Why did I do that? Some Christians need to stop learning the Word of God until they are living what they already know. Right? I mean, knowledge at a certain point can just puff up. Pride, right? But, but we, we need to not just hear the Word, but we got to be what? Doers of the Word. Doers of the word. So we can't just ignore the word. I got, I got to just confession time for me to you. The amount of energy and mental twisting I've got to do now in my walk with Christ 
to ignore the word of God is like it's historic. Come on, anybody else? I mean, what, what I have to do in here to ignore the truth, every time I'm veering off the path, the word of God is so loud in my head and in my heart, right? It is just it's screaming at me. Great scripture verse in Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. Do you believe that today? The word of God is alive and powerful. Powerful today. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So here's what the Word of God, the Word of God will get to motive. I think it's really important. It'll get to our motives. Why we do what we do. Why we don't do what we don't do. What are our motives? God's word will, will expose to us, open up to us what those are so that we can make sure we're on the right path. It, it's not there so we can be condemned or judged or feel bad. It's there to help us grow in our walk with God. But the word of God will do that. That's why at times I'll just listen to scripture or lectures or, or teachings um, just, just with my, on my phone, I'll just walk around just listening to it. Cause the more it gets in, the more the words in you, the less room there is for sin. Do you believe that? And the less the words in you, come on, come on, come on. Right. But you just gotta get that word in there, get it in there. So it literally changes and rewires the way you think. The way you think. The way you think. So how you think will determine how you feel. Then how you feel will determine how you live. It's real important to get that. How you think determines how you feel. Then how you feel determines how you act or how you live out your life. But you got, we got to rewire what the Word of God are thinking. So it exposes the uh, innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. And that word nothing means, good job. (laughs) Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Uh, This happened with Adam and Eve back in Genesis. We read that last week. When they sinned, they were exposed. Remember that? When they sinned, they were exposed. Another thing about last week, as far as ignoring the word of God, we read um, words like, did God really say? Come on, mental gymnastics, right? Come on, Christians, you know what I'm talking about. Did God, I mean, did he really mean it the way he said it? That's kind of a narrow interpretation. Come on, someone help me out. Did God really say, or we heard this last week, you won't die? You won't die? It'll be all right. Don't worry about it. And we heard this, you will be like God. These are just lies from the enemy. 
He's a slanderer. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he's going to come after you in those areas, especially with his distortion of the Word of God. Here's one thing I believe. I, I, I learned this young. I believe it's true. I believe the enemy knows the Word of God better than I do. And he'll twist it in a way that will try to lure me away from what I already know is true. Right? What I already know is true. So ignoring the Word of God, we, instead we've got to be doers of the Word. We've got to let the Word in. We've got to fill ourselves with the Word of God. I hope you have habits in your life uh, where the Word of God is, is being poured into you regularly. Whatever that means for you, regularly poured into you. Number two common pattern of self-destruction is to embrace the zeitgeist. Now, you might be asking, what's the zeitgeist? The zeitgeist is what is popular in culture. The Bible would call it the spirit of the world. The zeitgeist. What's popular in culture? Now, I'm not saying culture always gets it wrong. It's not true at all. Culture, sometimes culture is good. But there are times culture has it really, really wrong. And it's going against the stream of the scriptures. Here, here's what First John two fifteen through seventeen says: Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. Now, real quick, sometimes it gets a little confusing because we read that um, that Jesus died for what the whole world. Absolutely, every person Christ died for. That's why everyone's welcome here at Christian Life Center. Jesus died for everyone, right? Jesus died for everyone. Everyone's welcome. But when the world's used in the context of 1 John here, do not love this world. It's talking about the spirit of the world. That which is anti-Christ. Or what I like to call the zeitgeist. The, the popular culture that's going against the words of God. There was a reason uh, the, uh, the apostles were put to death and killed and jailed for their faith, right? They were going counterculture, right? And let me give you the number one counterculture statement that the Christians in the early church made. Uh, it's not so much radical now, but it's probably going to be later on. But the most radical countercultural phrase was, Jesus is Lord. And here's why. Because in the Roman world... Who was Lord? Caesar was Lord. And they would say that on a regular. And so the Christian church wanted everyone to know, and this was the confession of the early church. Jesus is Lord. He rules and reigns over all earthly leaders. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? He rules and reigns over all earthly leaders. So do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So it, it's either or. Okay. Either or. Uh, sometimes we, we, we try to mix it. Come on. We, we like a mixer, right? Just, man, Lord, it's, it's only, I mean, it's 90 part you. It's just 10 part the world. We call that corruption. 
<laughs> Corruption, right? How, how many of you know the most miserable place for a Christian to be is one foot in Christ and one foot in the world? You, there are heathens happier than you. <laughs> there are non-believers, pagans, who are enjoying life more than you are when you're trying to have one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. It goes on, verse 16, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving of everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. So basically, we have these three bullets of the enemy, right? I mentioned this last week. Hedonism, materialism, humanism. Or pleasure, possessions, pride. Three categories he's going to use to try to trip me up, to try to trip you up. Three categories. Pleasure, possessions, pride. And we see that here in this context of do not love the world. Do not love. Don't have the pursuit as your pursuit in life a pleasure. Don't have the pursuit as your main pursuit possessions. Don't have the pursuit in life as your main pursuit Pride, right? Hedonism. It's where you value pleasure over everything else. Materialism, where you gather possessions over everyone and everything else. Humanism, where the apex of all existence are people, right? Not God. It says, don't do that. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Verse 17. And this world is fading away, right? It's fading away. You're making a bad bet. <laughs> right? You're, you're, you're going to lose your investment if you do this. You're making a bad bet. It's fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Will live forever. So you can have a sure thing, solid rock of Christ, or you can a really bad bet on the things of this world that will not last, that will not last. So instead of embracing the zeitgeist, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, mind, soul, strength, everything you got, everything you got. Put everything into Loving the Lord. Not this world, but into loving, loving of the Lord. Now, let, let me ask a question. Is that easy? Do we get tripped up occasionally? Hey, if you get tripped up, you know what the Bible says? Get back up and keep going. His mercies are new every day. Do you believe that? Every day, his mercies are new. So, number one, ignore the word of God. Number two, embrace the zeitgeist. Number three, love money. And use people. I'll tell you right now, man, if you want self-destruction in your relationships, if you want to walk alone, if you want to die alone one day, embrace this philosophy. Love money and use people. Now, now the Bible is real specific about this. And it says to love people and be wise in how you use your money. Love to put People first love people and use money. 
There's a scripture in 1 Timothy, it says this, but people who long to be rich, right? It's your, it's your priority. It's your priority. Possessions over people, money over people, things over people. That's none of you. Turn to someone and say, I know that's not you. Go ahead, come on. Turn to somebody. I know that's not you. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful. Foolish. Now, the word foolish has no sting in our culture. So the better interpretation is stupid. We get that better. Dumb, ignorant, right? Foolish, foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. We all know that's true. We all know it's true. We all know it's true. For the love of money, everyone say love of money. Okay, not money. Money's neutral. Okay. Money can be used for good or bad. It's the love of money. It's where money is your priority. Money is your God. Money rules over your life. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. Man, man. It's just so brutal to read that. And pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, you might be thinking here today, well, I, that's not me. I mean, I know who it is, but it's not me, right? That could be you. Let me help you identify if you're accurate or not today. If I ask you, how much is enough? And your answer is just a little bit more. You might be in trouble. <laughs> you might be in trouble. Now, let me encourage you here today. You can be, this, this, I don't know why people don't believe two things can be true at the same time. You can be ambitious and content at the same time. It's real important to get this. This is critical. You can want more and thank God for what you have. And be content if the more never comes. You can still be happy. Your happiness is not dependent on the more coming. So you can be ambitious and content at the same time. Some of you that are a little more binary in your decision making, are, are you're really tripped up right now, just keep working on it. God, God will show you. God will help you. Get that. But it's so critical that we love people and use money. This is why when it comes to tithing, um, tithing is such a simple concept. <laughs> I mean, it's a math problem, right? Uh, but let me tell you where I get challenged on tithing. For me personally, it's not the word means 10%. That's what it means, literally. It's not the 10% that's my challenge at all. That's just like calculator or do it in your head, whatever. For me, as a Christian, it's the 90%. That's the challenge. Because Jesus is Lord of all of it. 
That 90% is not mine. It's still his. Come on, someone. And so I, I, I need to be under the lordship of Christ for all of it. All of it. We've got to love people and use money. We've got to be wise with what God has given us. And I do believe if you are faithful with little, God will come on, give you. Right. I believe that. It's a principle. Uh, number four. Let's go through the last one here. We'll kind of wind this down. We've got some more music. Um, number four, uh, for patterns of self-destruction, ignore the advice of people who love you. Come on. Who is the wisest person you know in the room? Come on. Come on. Come on. There's got to be at least one. Or at least you've had that moment, right, where you know in spite of everybody in your sphere of influence yelling, stop, don't do it, or you need to go forward. You're going, nah, I, don't, I don't think so. I think they're all wrong. Anybody? I've done it. I've been there. Come on, I've been there, right? I have been there. Ignore, and by the way, every time I've ignored that, it's never gone well. Ever, 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 ever. But ignore the advice of those who love you. Great Proverbs twelve fifteen says this. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Do you have others in your life? Do you have mentors? Do you have wise people? Do you have smart people? Do you have people that have lived life a little longer than you have? I gotta say, at 62 now, all my advice I give to people are my mistakes. I tell them, just don't do what I did. Pretty much it. <laughs> don't do what I knew I shouldn't have done in the first place. Don't do it. But we all need mentors. Uh, if you're married here today, or you want to get married one day, listen to your spouse. The only couple of times I have been in a position I didn't want to be in is when Sharon, now Sharon sometimes has like not strong opinions. She's like, ah, whatever. Whatever you decide. But every now and then she's got like a, mm, I, I got a bad feeling about this. And uh, every time I listen to that, man, it is right. Come on, any testimonies in the room? And there's been once or twice, maybe three. <laughs> now I'm telling you right now, man, if she's strong in something, I've learned not to ignore it. And vice versa, if I'm strong on something, her too. <laughs> her too. But we have, to, we have to have people around us we listen to. Not the least being God's word, right? We talked about that. And, and the testimony of Christ and the life of of Jesus Christ. This is a great scripture verse. I used it last week. I'm going to reiterate it again this week. 1 Corinthians 10:13 says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Can you can we just say the word no different together? 1 2 3. No. It's going to fall into one of three categories. Right? It's going to be the pride 
possessions, pleasure. No different. It's no different. It's no different from what others experience. Let me expand on that a little bit. Um, try to unwrap that just a tad here. If, for those of you that think you're the only one and you feel isolated and really bad about it, let me, let me kind of encourage you a little bit. You're not alone. You're not alone. There are people who you probably know who are experiencing the same struggles you have. So don't feel isolated. Don't feel alone. The enemy wants to get us isolated, at least in our mind, right? So don't feel, you're not alone. So that's one encouragement. And the other encouragement I want to give too, don't, don't ever feel, how can I put this? That your sin is so unique and special. Does that make sense? Like you're, like nobody knows what you're going through. You're just, you're just so far out there. But in like almost a prideful way. Is that, I mean, does that make sense at all? I was trying to figure out how to communicate this. But, but both, neither one of those is true. The scripture says the temptations in our lives are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. This is the, this is the key to the whole thing, right? God is faithful. Uh, I've mentioned this before. People ask me, how do I know I'm going to heaven? I still sin. I still fall short. See, so you're going to go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The death, the burial, the resurrection. He's at the right hand of the Father right now praying for you, interceding for you. You're going to go to heaven not because of your faithfulness, but because of his faithfulness. Do you believe that today? His faithfulness. And if it was up to my faithfulness, I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. But every time I fail, God says, get back up. Like a good parent would, like a good coach would, like a good mentor would. He will not allow, this is real critical for us, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Do you believe that? Come on, we're wiping away some excuses here today. Come on, come on. But you, you but 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 you, my, my, but you don't know. You, you, my, my parents dropped me on my head when I was six months old. You don't understand. Man, if you knew who my boss was, you don't understand. Man, if you knew who I was married to, I do, and you're lucky. I mean, you know what I mean. We we can go on. How many of you have the list of excuses? Come on, come on, come on. We got a list, man. This scripture says there's, there's no list. I mean, is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, is the power of the cross in my life, is it greater than my sin? I believe it is. I believe it is. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Remember, temptation is not a sin, but it can lead to sin. That's what he's talking about here. Temptation is not a sin, and everyone said, thank you, Jesus, but it can lead to sin. Temptation ought to be more than you stand. When you are tempted, and you will be, (laughs) 
not in there, but I'm, I'm, I'm from experience. He will show you a way out so that you can endure it or overcome it or be victorious through it. So it doesn't own you. You're in Christ above it. Victorious living in Christ. A smart person learn, learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from the mistakes of others. Come on, someone help me. I don't know what it is. You know, you, you know you're the group God has blessed you with. By the way, man, if you got any, anyone you know, those ages, 18 to 29, set Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, the hub, the hub. I'm telling you, man, it's a great, great ministry. But I don't know what it is about those teen years, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, early 20s, right? Move into the 30s. Went into the 30s. It was around 40 when I started waking up. But man, I wanted to try things myself. In spite of the wisdom, in spite of the instructions, I was just so curious. Anybody else? Am I? No one else? A couple of you? <laughs> but a smart person learns from their mistakes. And a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. I gotta tell you, the better way to live is to learn from the mistakes of others. Right? <laughs> she had big sisters. That's awesome. All right, last verse here. Uh, come on, uh, we're gonna wind this down. In fact, the music team come up, come back up. Hebrews four, uh, fourteen through fifteen says this, referring to Jesus. Since, uh, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, right? Death, burial, resurrected, back with the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe as far as the Scriptures. And let me pause here. Do you believe that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is greater than your sin? Do you believe that through Christ you can live victorious life? Do you believe that sin no longer has power over you, according to the scriptures? That now we are, we used to be slaves to sin. Now the Bible says we have, we're slaves to righteousness. If we allow Christ in us and the word in us, we, we will have an inclination now to do what's right and pleasing to God. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Right. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, Christ, of ours, understands our weaknesses. Right? Those three categories. Those three categories. For he faced all the same testing we did, yet he did not sin. I'm just going to throw this out to you. You can see all this in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. I'm not, I'm not going to go there today. But in, uh, that's when Jesus was tempted. In all three of these categories, he identifies with all of our experiences. And he gives us a way out. He understands. Let me pray for you. And then we're going to, in response, sing some songs here. Father God, thank you so much, everybody here. God, no one's here on accident. God, you wanted us all here to hear your word, to fellowship with one another, to greet one another in Christ. Father, allow our hearts to be open to what you have for us. God, I pray we will leave here changed in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen.